All right, Chuck, we just got some pretty shocking news dropped on us. The uh, Philadelphia 76ers and James Harden appear to be breaking up. Uh, Harden's exercised his option, which basically means he's now um, a more easily tradable asset, I guess. So if he's out of Philly, which which all signs point to, um, what are what's your reaction? There's a lot of ways we can go with this on on what's next for the Sixers, but uh, what what was kind of the first thing you thought when you heard this news come through? Well, I think similar to you, uh, I'm I'm confused. You're confused. It's pretty unexpected um, because, I, as we talked about off off camera, I don't think I've seen a storyline where it was so unanimously going in one direction to then suddenly switch on its head because, like, kind of hanging over the Philadelphia Sixers cloud like or the cloud hanging over them was like the Rockets are going to make a push for him to to pair him you know the reunion there to pair him with all these young guys he loves Houston fans are you know obsessed with him and that was kind of the thing it's like oh is he going to stay in Philly or is he going to go to Houston it was an either or scenario and then it's like the last few weeks it's like oh it's definitely going to be Philly Houston doesn't make sense he wants to go back they want him back they're going to run it back with him beat again it's like okay they went to seven against the Celtics like See if they can run it back. Maxi takes another step. Maybe they offload Tobias's, um, you know, expiring contract for a couple of different pieces. Makes sense. And then that's all we really heard of it. It's like Harden's going to go back to the Philly. It was just kind of waiting on like what his deal is going to look like. And then all of a sudden today, it's like, oh, he's opting in so he can get traded. It's like, whoa, where did that come from? It was like, so I'm pretty shocked and a bit confused and confused from this standpoint because. I, I want to know who initiated this. So it sounds like they're mm-hmm. amicably working towards making, you know, working together to find a trade spot for him. And it seems like he's got that standing in the league where he can kind of, you know, he's sort of problematic or like picky with where he goes, but also has like that, that you know, the stature in the league as a player to kind of choose his next spot, like durant desk or something like that. So it seems like they're working together to find a spot. So it doesn't sound like they had like a shouting match and aren't talking. But I also don't get who was the one who was like, I want out. For me, but reading between the lines, knowing Harden's history, it seems like he's the one who's like, you know what? I don't want to run it back. At least my, my initial reaction was like, I don't want to run it back with Embiid. I want out, change the scenery again. But then we're seeing some reports as we're you know getting on here that it's like, oh, it's the Sixers who are like ready to move on. So maybe they didn't want to commit like a four-year deal and he wants one more big deal before he's done. Maybe they only wanted to give him like two years to line up with Embiid's contract. I don't know what it was. So it's like, is it the Sixers who decided they didn't want to give him four years or whatever length there was? Was it him who wants to change the scenery? Maybe a little bit of both. I'm just very confused of like what the impetus was to flip it on its head. And in a day and age where technology spills every detail and you can't hide anything. There was never even a crumb of this or like any rumblings of like, this might happen. This might turn around again. So I'm kind of like confused with how this all unfolded and really curious about whose decision it really was or who initiated this. Um, And then it leads to like where he's going to go next, which we can get into, but I want to toss it back over to you. I mean, I think like I'm still kind of digesting it because I, I think where he goes next really does matter of who wanted this to happen. 
Yeah, it's weird. Like, and I think the logistics of the contract, while both above our heads, um, they are interesting, or, or they're like an important part of how this all worked out. So before last offseason, Harden signs the two-year, like $72 million deal, mm-hmm. which was a bargain deal. It was yeah. maybe he thought it lined up better to get a late career max deal, whether just, you know, all right, that's how I get paid insane money at age 37, 38. Um, but it seemed like everyone just thought he really wanted to play in Philly. $36 million, still a lot of money. Um, but that second year was a player option. And so how it's been reported is, hey, the Sixers have decided not to give a long-term commitment to James Harden. And as a result, they're going to move him. So is that Harden saying, all right, if you're not going to give me this four-year deal, then I'm just not going to play for you. I'm just going to yeah. opt out and go become a free agent. I, I guess that that makes sense. But to your point, how does how does no one see this coming? Yeah. Like, How does no one realize that, all right, if the only way Harden plays in Philly this year is by basically signing a new contract, opting out, and then getting a new big deal, that's not a no-brainer for the Sixers and never was. Uh, I do wonder, though, how much Nick Nurse had to do with this, if mm, at all. Good because... Point. I do think a lot of why people just assumed, all right, it's the Rockets for a ton of money or it's the Sixers because he wants to compete. Right. I think part of that faith is or, or the confidence people had that he'd end up back in Philly was the Daryl Morey, James Harden connection. They're like, hey, mm-hmm. Morey loves Harden. He's the guy who yeah. brought him here. Obviously, the, the Houston history. So they'll be able to work something out. Morey believes in, in James Harden as like a winning basketball player. So he'll make it work. Does Nick Nurse really have the authority to come in and say, I don't see him as part of the future? Probably not. Um, But I'm sure he was consulted. And speaking of other people who were consulted, I need to know what Embiid said about this, what he thinks about this. That to me is is maybe the biggest story from the Sixers perspective. Um, Like if if you're Daryl, are you telling Embiid like, hey, man, we think we can get this guy or that guy if we don't sign Harden or if we trade him and like is Embiid giving feedback on, on potential other lineups it's pretty fascinating to, to you know know how this all works we probably won't ever get the the whole truth um, but it is bizarre in terms of where Harden goes next the Clippers seem to be thrown out the most uh, mm-hmm. there's a little bit of Nick's chatter but as you pointed out um, before we recorded it probably more so for the clickbait and just the you know yeah, of course. Yeah, the Knicks have some money. Let's throw them out there. But it doesn't feel quite as realistic. Um, and the Heat have been thrown out as well. So it's almost like we have this Dame, James Harden sweepstakes of some sort, while both guys are regarded as maybe not the the most winning style of basketball when it comes to, to going out and trying to win an NBA title. Um, mm-hmm. But they're both top 15 players who are absolute studs offensively. So... It, the the team that gets Harden will be better. Uh, mm-hmm. but we do need to take a moment and just envision Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Paul George, <laughs> and Kawhi Leonard on the same starting lineup. Oh, man. That would be fun to root for and fun to root against, depending on your mood, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but as it pertains to the Sixers, what the hell do you think they can get for him? And this is a hard question, so yeah. we can just kind of kick it back and forth and try to come up with something reasonable, but... You also brought it up. There's like a weird lack of leverage here unless two teams really want Harden and they get into a bidding war. Um, so what, what's come to mind, if, if anything, for, for what makes sense as a, as a Harden trade? Um, 
Well, before answering that, I thought uh, you you summed it up great about like I think Maury, Nick Nurse, and Beat are like three pieces that just like make this story so fascinating, and like I want to kind of hear all their angles on it and see how this really unfolded, and that's why I think it's so fascinating. Like, was this Harden coming up with it, or was this the management that you know Maury, who backed him for so long, like had a change of heart? Um, so I, I, it's unanswerable questions for us now, but it's yeah. just what, gonna be like, what if what if Maury and and uh, Nick Nurse just had like way too much wine over like eight straight dinners this past couple of weeks. Like like Nick Nurse trying to convince Daryl Moore that yeah. <laughs> that James Harden wasn't a winning player. Yeah, but there's you know it's it's fan fiction perhaps, but yeah, I'd be curious. Well, well, leading into that, first of all, I think the Harden. Um, you, you like he definitely was like below market probably from this day and age at 36 mil a year but if you do remember his stock was like sort of artificially low because of the whole nets fallout forcing his way into philly so it's almost like yeah his when he's playing up to par and he's engaged he's worth way more than 36 mil a year and he was this past year but like at the time of the trade with the and when he signed that deal after coming off the nets he kind of had a damage rep a little bit so i think yeah. he kind of like not bought into himself but kind of just like all right i'll take this for two years figure it out i'm slightly below market but like yes. i don't know it's how many people are willing to pay for it 36 million dollar prove it deal yeah oh my, yeah exactly i mean he's like that's that shows his stature in this league but i think yeah. leading into like his value i think he's rebuilt it a little bit i know he still has his playoff you know inconsistencies and duds and like some shortcomings here and there but like the two games he won against the celtics were like whoa he's still got it in him uh, led the league in assists. So the value's still there. I think people recognize it, especially in that win-now window, like the Clippers, maybe the Heat. Um, I think it's a bit curious. So, like, if you're going to bring in the Nick Nurse piece, how did the the that Raptors team win? You had the superstar in Kawhi. You had some really good role players. Like, Lowry is, like, all-star, but I wouldn't call him, like, a superstar by any means. Like, maybe star, quasi-star. You know, borderline Hall of Famer, given everything like Siakam, and they had some other like good role players, Ibaka, veteran guys. Van Fleet. So Van Vliet. So I want a great team. Don't get me wrong, but it was like a star with some really good balanced role players. You bring back Harden and Bead with Maxi. It's still kind of a top-heavy lineup. So if Nick Nurse does have any say in it, I would guess they're going to try and go for a mold similar to the Raptors. Not trading into the Raptors, but like again, the Heat from the Sixers side lines up well with that because the Heat could get. Yeah, or the Sixers could get like a couple late first from the Heat because the Heat are going to still be good. But you throw in like a couple guys like Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin. Again, I'm not familiar with the contract situation. I know Struce is a free agent, but like say those hero, hero, oh hero, yeah. So maybe it's like hero, either hero plus Martin or Vincent. Maybe another guy thrown in and a couple of picks. I don't know again what his value stands at. Like I would think that Lillard has higher value than Harden right now. He must, yeah. Do I think he's? Do I think either has a better chance at winning a ring? I don't know, but I would guess that her, like just you know it is a image game, and I think Lillard has a higher image for a lot of people than Harden right now. Um, so I would guess like the Heat makes sense from the Sixer standpoint to get like a win now ish piece in her- Hero, couple other guys that were on this run, and a couple of picks. The question is, do the Heat want to do that? Like, does Harden fit? <laughs> "Quote unquote heat culture." Does losing their depth of all these guys that helped make a really impressive run? I know Hero wasn't on that run, so it's Hero. But then you give up Vincent or Martin or Struess or one of those guys, and it's like you give up some core pieces of that team. 
lose some depth, a couple of valuable first round assets for a guy who's like had some effort issues, weight issues with the weigh-ins, uh, defensive inconsistencies. It's like, does that, is that sound like a heat move? Lillard fits their mold way more in terms of personality and style. So like, I don't know if that lines up. I think Clippers makes a lot of sense for Harden's fit. But what do they have to even offer back? You know, it's like they don't really have the picks. They don't have any, like, role players or depths. Like, they don't have guys like Tyus Jones or or Tyler Harrow or guys like that to flip. So I'm I'm thinking, like, the best package for them is probably, like, a Heat package. But I don't know if the Heat want to do it for those that, are like, above listed um, or, like, the aforementioned list. And then I think the Clippers makes most sense for him, and the Clippers want to get him badly – but what are they going to offer? I don't really understand like how what's going to fit, and then that leads to the leverage piece. I I think the like the Sixers are kind of shit out of luck here because so that's why I'm confused if it was their decision because like Harden's still calling the shots on where he wants to go because he's clearly a guy like I want to be engaged for me to play well I need to be engaged and locked in so he's got to go to a place that he wants to be but he's definitely a, like enigmatic enigmatic personality so it's like. It has to be the right fit, and who's going to pay a shit ton for that when the, the Sixers know he's not staying long? Everyone knows he's not staying long-term with the Sixers. So they don't really have a leg to stand on. I don't want to entertain the Knicks. Like I don't even want to throw it out there because the Knicks <laughs> could actually offer amazing package for both teams, but I, I he doesn't fit for their team and what they need to do, um, and he's not probably getting them over the hump. But mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like I think if we're talking Heat Clippers, which I agree makes the most sense on paper, but how does it come together? Because I don't think the Heat – want to do it as much as people think and i don't think the clippers have the pieces even though they really want to do it yeah i I totally agree like you would think maybe it costs a little less to get hardened than lillard but if you're the heat you're not even thinking about james harden as long as lillard's on the table like if you like just the concept of going and getting a scoring star alongside butler it'd have to be hardened second on that list um the the whole idea of James Harden going in for daily weigh-ins with Pat Riley. I realize that's not how it's done, but uh, that's that's pretty rich. Um, So yeah, I don't think that's a great fit, to to say the least. Um, Maybe uh, sort of changing gears here, but looking at the Clippers roster and like what they would even have to give up for Harden. Because Terrence Mann a good contract, he must be pretty good, you know. But like he's, it's not anything to get excited about, right? Like yeah. the picks are going to be bad if, and they're not going to be short term. Um, it's bizarre, man. Just because Harden's that, yeah. like, like you said, he's he's an enigma. You don't really want him unless you're like right on the edge of of winning, yeah. or you need to sell some seats. Yeah. Uh, I will say, is it? I think it's been mostly Simmons and Rosillo doing a good job of reminding us, like, hey. The Clippers are about to go into a new stadium, yeah. and they really can't afford to be bad in this market with that stadium. So they're they're likely to just spend a shit ton of money and, and deal with the luxury tax for the next yeah. few years. Maybe that's why it makes sense. And I don't know though. It like that <laughs> the idea of Harden on the Clippers. I kind of just want to puke. It's like the the gross, crappy old version of what the Nets were a few years yeah. ago. Yeah. But I, I think it makes too much – no, I think it makes a ton of sense for the Clippers. Like, they, they're they stuck with the, – the, it seems like yeah. they've tied themselves to the Kawhi-Paul George ship. Like, they don't I – don't, I think they're pretty hesitant to move Paul George. They're giving it another run for this new stadium. So you might as well – like, what the Suns are doing with Durant and um, Booker, you know, they went in for Beal. Like, this makes, like, a similar kind of move. It's, like, given the hand they're dealt, 
with the stadium, with Balmer trying to win. Harden makes a ton of sense to give it a whirl. Like, why the hell not? But the Sixers sitting there, like, need to get assets, you know, and win now assets. Like, they get a bunch of future purse. Like, what is Embiid going to say to that? And that's, like, how much is he being consulted right. on this? Like, they need win now pieces or guys that are going to contribute right away, which the Clippers don't really have to offer up. So, like, I'm like, is there a third team like, that comes into yeah. the picture? I was about to say, it sounds like a three-team deal, right? Yeah, it, it, I agree. We're, we're beating around the bush here, but I think we, we made some progress. It, it does feel like it's got to be some, some team willing to yeah. take on a bad contract. Maybe it's moving Russ, although Russ is making the league minimum, actually. I didn't realize Yeah, that. he's going to get, I think he's going to get like a low amount from them, too, because no one's really going to want to sign him. Um, there is also the weird angle. Uh, I got to stop using the word weird so much. It's not a weird angle. It's just an angle of Paul George and Kawhi, like both can come in and ask for. Is it a full like supermax extension? Basically, they can both demand like fifty million a year this off season, I believe. Um, Paul, George, and Kawhi—they're like both eligible for the supermax. I think they're under contract for next year, and you're totally fucked if you're the Clippers because what what do you say no and try to negotiate with the supermax guy? That doesn't go well. Um, There's so many complicated things into these like bird rights and. There's this new thing that Chris Paul got in with the players. You're like 38 years old. Like there's a special contract kicker. Like I, I, I actually yeah. have lost track of all of this. Like I need <laughs> someone to translate it as if I'm five years old. So I just kind of like listen to Rasilla or, or Simmons or someone and just like let them translate it for me into basic knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or Zach Lowe or whoever it is. But I, I've given up on like trying to figure out because every time I think I've got a grasp around it, it's like now there's the new apron level coming in. <laughs> and then like, oh, this extra kicker and whatever. It's like, you know what? I give up. I can't do this. So. I just have to sit back. Like the numbers, I'm I'm just ignoring. Um, reasonable, reasonable. Yeah. Trip. But I'm just like curious because I I would guess Nurse wants like a few good role players, like to round out a balanced team with Maxi and Embiid. I get it. I just don't know if you're going to get that in the Harden package because I think his value, whether he's, I think he's a similar level player to Lillard right now, uh, mm-hmm. different kinds of styles at this point. But I think value wise, it's you can get him for way less than Lillard because the Blazers sit in there pretty like, we can just ride out Lillard, Simmons, and Scoot. We've done it before with Lillard. We can just run it back. The Sixers clearly have to move him or, or he's either going to refuse to play or walk at the end of the year. Um, but they also need to do it. Like the Blazers could trade Lillard for a bunch of picks. The Sixers can't really afford that unless they then flip those picks immediately for a big asset. But that's like a lot to ask unless it's a three-team deal, as we said. You know, and then no, I hate to bring it up like the Knicks – like even the Knicks, like you'd have to get Randall back and you'd have to, you'd get like a couple of young guys. And like, I, I love some of the young guys, but like, I don't know if they're ready to contribute on like a championship team with Embiid, Randall, Maxi, and like quickly or something. Like, I don't know. And then obviously from the Knicks side, I don't think it makes them much better. And they're be so bad defensively. Like that would be silly. But like, I'm just thinking like the value, I think you could get Harden for a lot less than Lillard. I would guess just because w- of the leverage point. So, I'm I'm kind of back to being confused. Yeah. <laughs> if if you're I mean, the I Sixers <laughs> and and you're planning on trading, like you're having these private conversations. Right. Hey, James, sounds like we're we're not looking at this the same way. Uh, maybe there's not a long term future here. Even if he does opt in, why would you tell everyone you're planning to trade him? Yeah. Why wouldn't you just let him opt in? All right, James is playing for 36 this year. 
um, because we couldn't come to a long-term deal. Like that doesn't feel all that sketchy and like it doesn't signal trade on its own, does it? Like to me, you'd have more leverage. Like, hey, he's going to come back and play for us, but we'll give you this great player for a good deal this year. Yeah, it's a good question. You're you're bringing up the good points, and I I don't have an answer for you. I I guess it's because the decision to opt in at like below market value was so shocking that it was like there's no way to hide it. Even though like gotcha. I think logically, like I, logically, yes, it's like he opted in. Like we promised him a long term deal. It's like, but secretly they're not negotiating a deal. They're just trying to shop shop him around. Be like. And then quietly going to the Clippers, and be like, "Hey, we don't think we're gonna we're confident we're gonna get the extension with James. He wants to go to L.A. What can you guys give us?" But like, I think him opting in is just such a shock because the idea, like, for them to keep him long term was like he opts out and then he signs the deal, like right then yeah. and there. Like everyone knew that was the case, so it had been probably the worst kept secret, I guess. I like, think I think that's right. Stands. Yeah, like um, the writing's on the wall if he doesn't yeah. opt out and, and get the new deal. Because for what you brought this up to, it's an important detail. Something about this two year contract hardens on. He can't sign an extension with it. It was like just a one and one, and if you either he opt in. into the second year. Yeah. Yeah, or opt out and then get a totally fresh new deal. Yes. Um, so it's sort of weird mechanically as well. Yeah, I don't know where that rule came up with either, but I'm sure there's a, a reason for it. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's a it's, it's shocking and a, and it's a bizarre scenario situation that already adds to like all these other stars that are kind of hanging in limbo. And now it's almost like Harden like has to get dealt at this point. Like now there's no going back. He has to get yeah. dealt. But now it's you're kind of waiting on his domino to fall first. But on the flip side, as you said, the Heat probably aren't going to go all in on Harden if they can still try and get Lillard. So unless Lillard's firmly off the market, it feels like the Heat are at a standstill. But also everyone else is waiting on Harden to get moved first before like you know anything else. Yeah, happens. it's like Lillard's the domino to fall, but he isn't a domino. He's just like he's like a potential domino, right? And then Harden holds everything else up. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a very Hard to predict week, I think, coming up. I mean, free yeah. agency starts in what a day and a half. Yeah, like if you're the, all right. So if you're a Sixers fan and you're sitting there like, "Fuck," we they were already kind of resigned to like, "All right, we're bringing Harden back." Embiid, if we had Embiid finally healthy for a playoff series, maybe we beat the Celtics or who or Bucks or whoever we have to play. You know, Maxi takes another step. Like, let's run it back. You know, new coach Nick Nurse is way better than Rivers. Like, there's optimism there. I could see it. Um and now you're like, okay, whoa, we have to 180. Holy shit, Harden's leaving. F- fuck this. What do we do? It's like, okay, what do we want for him? Or like, not what can we get, but like, what would you, as a Sixers fan, like if you give him up while still trying to win now with Embiid and Maxi, what are you looking for? Like realistically, like whether it's specific players, whether it's a general package, what should Sixer fans be clamoring for right now? I think what you want is a team that shifts a bit to having a true defensive identity where Embiid's play at the other end of the floor and the pieces you bring in around them are just, whether it's like three and D guys that, that are just going to give you a little, because Harden, you know, he could try hard here and there, but not a great defender. Tobias Harris, solid defender. I'd probably send Tobias Harris to Germany to find out whatever the, the latest potential uh, rule bending treatments are because I could use a little more out of him. Um, but Maxie's a defensive liability. He's tiny. So I, I think it'd be about filling in the gaps. Yes, you'd need some sort of secondary scorer, um, but those guys aren't impossible to find. 
I just almost think it, it would become a team that's way less exciting on paper, and and you kind of need to like buy into this is what happens when you get rid of Doc Rivers and become a Nick Nurse team. Like we're going to be a different kind of winner. Yeah. Um. I don't have specific names for you, but at least that's I think if I was trying to talk myself into it, that that's how I'd look at it. Well, here's the other point about the Sixers um, that we haven't touched on yet. You just mentioned Tobias. He's got an expiring contract now. This is finally his last year. So it becomes a valuable thing, a valuable entity or asset to trade. So is there a world like you make yet a three-team deal where they're trading either two separate deals or one big three-team where they're moving both Harden and Tobias? And Tobias gets moved to a rebuilding team for a couple of good role players and then Harden, you're almost just dumping for picks. Like, maybe that's it. And then it's like, all right, then we can either try and flip a couple of these picks for something more or kind of go within the season with Embiid, Maxi, and some role players. Like, I, I don't know what, what team we're looking at, but, like, that's where you can – if you're going to flip Tobias as well, because there are rumblings of that to make it more win now, it's like you flip mm-hmm. Tobias to a team with a lot of cap space that can eat it, whether it's, like, the Pistons, the Jazz – I don't know what kind of role players they have that are willing to go, but like maybe the Jazz who have like a cup like Sexton and I, I'm getting thrown out names like Sexton and someone else come back your way. They eat the contract and take a first round pick on top of it or whatever it is, um, clear out some space for them next year and the year after. Um, and then so you get a couple like good role players like that. And then that kind of eases the pressure of getting like win now players in the Harden deal. I don't mm-hmm. know, but like again, then you're losing Tobias and Harden, like your second and third leading or third, second and fourth leading scores. So it's still a lot to fill. But I wonder if that Tobias contract fe- feeds into like this whole dynamic of just completely retooling the team. Because if you're gonna move Harden, you really have to move Tobias, I think, to really like go for this Embiid plus depth team. Because they've lacked a lot of depth. They've gone for Embiid and like a flawed second star over and over, and it hasn't really worked out. So I wonder, like, how that aspect factors into it. I don't know if that sparks any ideas for you. It's a really good thought. Just in the, like, hey, is this part of something bigger? Yeah. Like, is, is, and it's a great call in the Tobias contract. It sparks something totally unrelated, actually. Uh, what about Scoot for Harden? Just straight up. I don't even know if the Blazers could do that money-wise. I, but, w- I would honestly say no if I was the Blazers. Really? Yeah, maybe not that. Like, maybe Harden is like quote unquote on paper well, more valuable than Scoot, but like Harden, Lillard, and Anthony so, uh, Simons aren't going anywhere. I'm I'm with you. I would Lillard's the one who would have to say no or yes. Yeah. Um, I get for but, some reason I thought maybe that like gets him a little excited. Yeah. Simons probably has to go in that deal too. Uh, yeah, I mean Simons probably and and Scoot for him. I like first of all, I I don't think I. Like, as a Blazers fan, I'd be like, fuck, I was getting really excited about Scoot. Like, I'm ready yeah. to go the next 15 years with Scoot. Mm-hmm. I also think the other thing is, like, you have a bad defensive backcourt yet again with Lillard. So, like, well, here we go again. Third time's the charm. Um, And I, I just, like, I don't I, – I wouldn't see the upside there. Like, I think I, – and if I'm Damien, I almost want to play with Scoot more than I do hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, it's weird. There's, like, so much Scoot love that I'm all in on this kid, even though I watched play yeah. five minutes of basketball. I'm totally with you, but I doubt – Dame sees it that way. People have joked, like, yeah. how's it going to go in that the first couple weeks of training camp if there's still maybe like a midseason trade on the table? Um, yeah. But what if Dame just discovers this Scoot guy's a fucking killer? I love him. Yeah, right. Um, but I would think right now, if you just gave Dame the option, or like think of it like before the third pick of the draft, like, would you rather right, have James right. Harden or the, the three pick? 
if he's really only thinking about the next year and the next year after that, maybe. Um, I, mean, I don't know. I could but see the him. Sixers like what would the Sixers want it? Like the Sixers, because then it's like, how do you explain that to Embiid? Like we got this sweet, young, exciting player. It's like, so great. It's like great. I have two years left on my deal. I'm seven footer and I have a lot of injuries. Like I'm trying to win now. I need to get a conference finals. He's I've somehow not there this year. Convince myself that Scoot is like the win now guy of this draft, <laughs> which is yeah, it's kind of silly. He might be more polished. I mean, he could come out like win rookie of the year over Victor. It's possible, but like to be the number two or high number three on a conference finals team in year one i don't know about that right. when, when when you map it out like that it sounds a little a little outlandish yeah. i guess well it does spark my next point which is something i we i mentioned to you off off mic um it was more of a thought out loud because i love damian lillard um and he, uh, again the trade rumors with him have been ad nauseum for a year plus yeah, i don't want to get into that and like we kind of just threw out some ideas about harden because it's so fresh and i think it's super interesting about like what the Sixers aren't like a rebuilding team. They need to win with Embiid. So it's yeah. caught in a weird, weird, like between a rock and a hard place. Um, I I wonder with Damian, with Lillard, because he's so likable. He's been so loyal to the Blazers. He's been like a model guy for the NBA, facing the NBA. He's so much fun to watch. Has like these huge, like 60 point, 60 point historic games. But like the Blazers haven't been good in a couple of years. And I know they kind of did a quasi rebuild. So it's a little outside of his realm. But you look at his playoff history, and it's not, you know, a lot of it's out of his control. He caught the end of the Spurs era. Then he got the Warriors in the prime time. I know they lost to them a couple times in the playoffs. But they cons- like even with Aldridge, they consistently went out in the playoffs in high-scoring series. You know, him and McCollum were an undersized backcourt that got exploited on defense in a seven-game series against good teams, often in the first or second round. Um and it's a point where the guy's 33, like we have enough of a track record, whether it's some bad luck, whatever it is, as likable as he is, like, is he a guy to get you over the hump as the number one? You know, I think on the heat, we touched on like him as the the number two, like quasi number one, him, Butler, Bam with the rest of that team and Spolster as a coach. Yeah, I think that can work. Yeah. But like him going to a team where he's the one or one B, like, is that enough? Is, is his game set up to win a championship? Because like at some point, like the Blazers to bring it back to the Knicks for a second, like Melo got dogged on, like looking back on his career, it's like, could you ever win with him? And like, yes, literally has a way more likable personality than Melo and probably like a more fun to watch style of play. But I think like without checking the numbers, like Melo and him probably have pretty similar playoff history. A lot of first round so. exits, a few second round. They each got to one conference finals and ironically Melo with the Nuggets actually gave a scare to Kobe and Powell while Lillard got swept you know, by, by the Warriors, it was kind of like the Blazers were just happy to get there, like get over the yeah. Clippers or Rockets or whoever they beat. So it's one of those where it's like, you know, Melo got dogged on for it. Like Lillard's way more likable, but it's not like the playoff success is there. And Harden gets ragged on, but like he's been winning way more in the playoffs lately than Lillard. Like he comes up short, but the bar is almost different for a guy like Harden. Lillard's got a little bit of the Jimmy Butler thing where like he's so likable that like people are just like, oh, he won a playoff series. That's so cool. Now, get, don't get me wrong. Butler's gotten the finals twice, conference finals three times, way different. But his level of stardom is seen in a different light than some of these other guys. And I think it's gone kind of overlooked that it's like, you know, this guy hasn't sniffed the playoffs in two years and hasn't really won a playoff series in a while. So it's like, is he still the guy that we're building him up to be like he's I don't know if he's like, oh, I'm a championship guy. And not because he doesn't want it or he doesn't have the makeup mentally, but just with how the game's played. Like, I don't know if it's there. I'm not saying it is or isn't, 
but I just don't think it's discussed at least when like valuing his or factoring in his trade value and what he could get back and how much he affects a team. You know what I mean? Is that too yeah. harsh or it's like it's just a thought out loud? I'm glad you brought it up because I can't decide if it's too harsh. <laughs> like I kind of just yeah. want to dive into it a little more because I think Harden's the perfect foil to to consider. Yeah, people love to shit on Harden. He's looked literally high during playoff games. Like <laughs> the man clearly has some sort of mental issue with massive moments, um, but it's not you know like impossible to overcome. He, he killed the Celtics in a couple games. So those Rockets teams with Harden were incredible basketball teams. They they were so damn close to beating the KD Warriors. They're up 3-2 in that series, yeah. and then Chris Paul got hurt in game five when they went the up 3-2. Story of that guy's life. Um, but, and then you, you think about Lillard, and it's, he's really never had a team that felt like there was any chance of them making serious noise in the Agreed. playoffs. And so everyone... I, and I might not be going where, where you think I am with this. Like, I think Lillard collectively were like, well, he's never really had a great team. Yeah. And so we really don't hold it against him. And for Harden, it's because those Rockets teams were so good and in part just like innovative in the regular season. So they had the number one seed at certain points. Ultimately, though, it's freaking basketball. Like, we all know that your best player determines how good your team is. And so this whole deal with Lillard not having quite as good of teams and like, hey, he like overachieves for the, the place they're in. Like, that's right. ultimately his fault. Like, he is the reason their ceiling is what it is. Even with the LaMarcus Aldridge, Nick Batum teams that were a lot of fun. Like, that was just a quintessential three, four, five, six seed. Like, that yeah. team never really had the ceiling. And so I do think, weirdly enough, like, because he's so likable and, and like checks all the boxes. And there's something about those, like, because he hit a couple, like, walk off like threes to win a series. P and, epic. <laughs> incredible. Yeah. I was actually supposed to be studying for finals our senior year one, <laughs> one time. And I was in the library watching that with a bunch of freshmen. It was hilarious. Yeah. Uh, those are iconic shots. Like still kind of give me chills if, if you're just watching the, the, the replay of it, like him waving goodbye to the crowd. Yep. And so because he's like performed well in these moments, albeit smaller moments, I think we say, hey, this guy has the clutch gene, which I think he does. Like yeah. gun to head, like I'll take Damian Lillard's makeup in a game seven over James Harden's. But Correct. James Harden elevates basketball teams to a higher level. And those things are kind of hard to to separate, but I'm totally with you. Like I, I think Dame has more value and I don't think he's necessarily a better basketball player in his prime. Um, all that said, to get back to kind of your original question, like yeah, there's there's some teams that the fit's just so perfect. Yeah, like, agreed. The, the Heat, I think with either of these guys, you know, they just have the magic sauce right now in the leagues and a, a bit of an in-between state where aside from the Nuggets, it kind of feels like it's, it's there for the taking. Mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot of teams, basically like 28 teams, I think the Dame could go to and yeah. uh, probably wouldn't be a title contender. Yeah. I, I thought you summed it up great there about like kind of the difference between Dame and, and Harden. It's because like those Rockets team, they were a one seed one year. I was looking up earlier. They were 65 wins that year. The Durant Warriors team, I know the, they took, you know, they kind of coasted through the regular season, but the Warriors, I mean, the Rockets were the one seed in the playoffs. No one on planet Earth thought they were better than the Warriors. They weren't. 
But, but they got a game seven at home. Like it's right they there. Ga- they were up three two in the series with a game seven at home. But Chris Paul was hurt, obviously. So like it all fell on hard, and that that was almost unfair. Like he was him versus it was he would have had to have been LeBron to have a chance in closing out one of those last two games. Um, but yeah, you're right. Their moment has been like felt like too big for him at times, and he's like had to do too much heavy lifting. But that Rockets team, like it was good, but it was only really good because of Harden was so unstoppable. And I know Harden isn't still that guy, but Harden, prime Harden True. was so unstoppable over those three to four years that it's like the reason they were in that scenario is because of him. Like Lillard can't be or hasn't been the number one guy on a team that's won 65 games, been the one seed, and could take that Warriors team to seven. Lillard gets swept in the first or second round with that. You know what I mean? So you're right. It's like... Harden, Harden is like again held to a higher bar because he's a little bit of a victim of his own success. So everyone expects like this guy's MVP, this guy was like the arguably the best player in the league with the one seed because of him. So he needs to get to the finals, and if he doesn't, then he's seen as kind of a choker or a letdown. Lillard is like he's a spunky five seed, like his ceiling's a spunky five seed. It's like whoa, did you catch Lillard from Weber State? Like look at this guy go, you know, undersized guard who dropped forty five on Russell in the Thunder. You know, it's like, which is great, but to be the top dog on a team, like, you're less likely to win with Lillard than Harden, I think, over the years, history. Now, going forward, I think for the Heat, you'd rather have Lillard than Harden. I think he makes more sense for that fit for that team. Harden, I think both work for the – it's like, it's a weird dichotomy because for a team that already has some stars, I think I'd rather have Lillard than Harden even though Harden's like a better passer and whatnot. I just think like makeup, as you said, personality-wise, it's easier for Lillard to fit in with other teams. But in terms of like the player itself, Harden can probably elevate like a mediocre team to re- really good. While Lillard, if we're talking like really good teams with star power already, Lillard makes more sense. You know what I mean? I so, think part of that is that Harden's yeah. a fucking nutcase too. That yeah. like well, yeah. there's no trust for management that Harden's going to like do the right thing and, and not... be bought in. Yeah. Be bought right. in and like not... Just demand a trade at the first yeah. sign that something's going wrong. Yeah, I guess that's just my point because, like, as a Knicks fan of, like, I have buddies clamoring for, like, th- like some people are, like, trade, like, who love Lillard and, like, aren't really maybe as in tune with the Knicks, how he would affect the Knicks roster makeup. They're, like, trade Lillard, th- like, ask questions later, like, trade for him now. Yeah, And I'm just, like, guys, player. like, I, I want to, like, throw some ca- – and not, I don't want Harden either, but, like, I want to throw caution in the wind here. Like, hey, Lillard – is awesome. It will be fun. The garden will be rocking, but the likelihood of getting out of the first round is probably no better than it was this year with him. Like, unfortunately, and then you lose a lot of picks and you give up some good young players and probably what maybe end up being an overpay. And it's like, here we are again sitting, yeah, more fun, likable team, but what are you looking to get out as a fan? And that's what we were talking about earlier. It's like, if you want just a really exciting, fun team to lose in the second round in six games in like a hard fought underdog series, great. I'm in for it. Like, I'm okay with it. But, like, if your goal is to, like, get to that championship level, like, you probably hurt your long-term outlet by taking Lillard right now and, and losing all those assets. So, like, look, if they got – if the Knicks got Damian Lillard, I don't think it's happening. Like, oh, the Nets are the other team that might get mm. Lillard. They've been talked about a lot for him. So, obviously, Harden can't go back there. I don't – the Nets have a lot of good young pieces to move. But, like, I th- here's a good sound, example. Sorry, what did you say? They sound pretty attached to Mikael Bridges. Yeah, like really I, not wanting to move him. He was awesome to end the year. Now, is he a yeah. guy that can be a number one on a good team? Probably not, but he can definitely have elevated responsibility on a good team, like offensively at least. And he's an amazing, like defensive guy in three and D mold, but now can do more in offense, which we didn't realize. Um, but like, 
okay, example, like Lillard goes to the Nets. Like the Nets have enough, so many draft picks and a lot of young players they can move. Like it makes sense for them to like accelerate their timeline. Like I think that's the good move for the Nets to have Nets like Lillard Bridges. I think that's a playoff team. But I'd be surprised if they make it past the second round. I'd be probably surprised if they win a first round series. Like they could upset yeah. someone as like a six seed. Great. But it's kind of going back to those old Blazer days, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. which is awesome. He's a Hall of Fame player. He's going to go down as one of the best scorers ever. But, you know, so was Melo. So was Tracy McGrady. I know he had injury, bad injury luck. But, like, there's a difference between, like, one of the all-time scorers and, like, a guy you can win a championship in this, like, three, four-year window. Like, yeah. Lillard can win a championship on the right team. But I think the roster needs to be constructed more so than people are maybe giving credit for. Like, when I- discussing him as an entity in basketball. I totally agree. And to put a little respect on Dame's name, given all that, because, again, I totally agree. But in terms of, like, the type of team that Harden would excel on, and I guess I'm kind of talking about prime Harden now. Like, that was Harden-centric. The entire setup had to kind of be built around his skill set. Gross to watch. Yeah. Dame, on the other hand, just a little thought exercise. Like, let's say the the ping pong balls bounced a different way and Jokic and Dame were actually paired up. I think Dame could have done in a different, slightly different style, but done what Jamal Murray just did. Yes. Um, maybe even at a higher level. I think yes. their peaks are, are similar basketball players, honestly. And they might have I, a higher peak, honestly. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I do. I love Jamal Murray. I do too. Um, but th- th- yeah, th- there's an element of, of Dame's, like he's shown the ability to hit like get so hot from three, almost like Clay Thompson hot, yep. where Jamal Murray is a bit more of like a, a feel the game out. Anyway, I think that like, yeah, Dame's ceiling is going to be playing off of another guy, yeah. even if he's maybe like the main ball handler. Um, and so it, just the big guy alongside Dame makes a lot of sense. Where I'm going with this, a, a separate thought experiment, I don't think there's any way that Harden and Dame could get flipped for each other. Um but imagine that happened mm-hmm. if if somehow next year's NBA Finals were Jokic and Murray versus versus Embiid and Lillard, be, be pretty awesome. incredible. Yeah, pretty incredible. Uh, and that's kind of how I see Dame. Like, could be a more helpful basketball player than Harden in the right setup. But yep. it does feel like if you don't have a dominant big guy yep. or like a, a defensive-minded stud point guard, um, yep. that it's just not going to be top two seed basketball yeah that's that's my point about dame is i i love the player um i love the makeup he can absolutely win a ring in the right situation if he had i mean like obviously like lebron but like Jokic, Giannis, like something like if he had someone like that that was like an elite elite player he could easily be the number two and they would be a dominant team i'm yeah. not saying he can't win a ring but as like the lead guy like not even the lead guy but like for him to win a ring you either need like a, one of the best four or five players in the league or like a really catered team to him that covers defensive deficiencies. It has a lot of size, good wing guys. And I, th- I guess where I'm getting at is like Dame compared to some of the other stars. He's the same like the light that Dame is held in. I think he needs a more catered, like a more perfect roster than the other guys in his tier of category, uh, his tier of player. Like the other guys that he's held, like the regard that he's held in, like that elite tier, a lot of the other guys probably need less to get over the hump or to win a championship than he might just because of the size defense things like that if if that makes sense and maybe it's maybe it's a 
I'm not saying that that's fact. I'm just kind of throwing it out there as like, hey, maybe we're not thinking about it totally the right way. Um, and it's a little unfair because the Blazers haven't always spent big. They haven't always surrounded him with the great, like the best team, especially in these last few years where he really took it to another level. Um, but that's my, I guess, part of my point is like you need a lot of help at certain positions for him to be the guy and get over the hump. And I, and that's fine because like if, wherever he goes, he's probably going to be the number two or the one B um, if he does get moved. But I just don't – I think the average fan or the casual fans are kind of forgetting that because they're just like, Dame time, Dame time. And, like, they kind of forget, like, well, like, the guy's not carrying you to a ring. Like, yeah. he's just Where, not. Are the average fans two-year-olds? You kind of put a little baby <laughs> voice on that. Yeah, Dame time. Like, the 12-year-old kids. The, the NBA 2K kids right now, you know what I mean? That play with, like, Snoop Dogg and NBA – or not even Snoop Dogg, but, like, Travis Scott or whatever, creative yeah. player or whatever they These have. kids don't know who Snoop Dogg is. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I will say, that being said – if the Knicks did trade for Dame, you could find me October fifteenth at a home game against the Wizards with a watch with a watch on my wrist, tapping it, screaming Dame time at the top of my lungs. And also being said, if they traded for Harden, who I want less than Dame, I will be wearing a fake beard to a November game against the Hornets. You and can on count every on that. every podcast video talking about the Knicks here, you're yeah. putting that beard on too. And, and what is it when Harden does the cooking thing? Like he rate like. Uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. Well, what is that technically? I think it's like he's cooking something, but he like he he spins his hand around in like a fate like made up bowl. Like I'll be doing that in the crowd too. <laughs> like shame us. I'll well, buy into whoever they yeah. get. Part of me's hoping that happens. Um, hey, you were getting so excited there. If you got to, you forgot to talk into the mic, you lit up. I know. I know. With, I know. Like the thing you don't want to happen, but hey, would it be fun? Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, this isn't me ragging. It's a little bit of a zag or just to kind of like, Hey, let me throw this out here gently because I really do love Dame. It is one of my favorite players to watch. And I'm not saying he's not an amazing player. He's still one of the best players in the league. I just think for the tier he's held in and what he's going to fetch in a trade, it's not like he's, he's not like, Oh, he got him. He's like an auto. He's not like LeBron, Hawaii in his prime, Durant, Giannis, Jokic, I mean, even Butler to an extent, kind of, but like not really. Maybe not, but like Steph Curry and like again, I don't Butler know. Butler's best, compared. I think, is fair because like yeah. defensively, he can be a stopper right. and and give you just something a little more than than Harden. Kind of like all him. those guys are like damn, and even prime Harden like would be throwing that territory where he's close to a finals. Like he probably could have gone there if the ball bounced a different right way. Like Dame just hasn't been particularly close, so he's just in a different tier in terms of winning a ring right now with the right team. I, I That's just what I'm saying about him. We do this thing. I think it's, it's part of what you're getting at. He's the biggest name this offseason. And so he gets yeah. sort of vaulted into this like franchise-altering tier that it maybe isn't yeah. fair. And if, if Giannis and whoever else... We're, we're also up like we just wouldn't talk about team this yeah way. um yeah. It's, it's partly like you know he just fills the first 10 minutes of every show and then you know you end up thinking more highly of him than, than you really should one kind of related thought but just kind of like a storyline to watch i i've probably said it too much already um just how like th- this new nba offenses are getting so much better at at hunting mismatches moving the ball it's a lot less iso focused and i was thinking about you were mentioning like how you think you hold dame in slightly lower regard than the guys around him who are the like jason tatum shea gilgis alexander uh jaw i think is kind of in that general tier i would Donovan say miller's maybe. in that in that tier prop yeah maybe maybe tatum slightly above those guys but yeah okay well, and what I'm getting at is like all of those guards. Shea's bigger than I realize, 
He's like six five, six six, but doesn't really play that tall. Like right. to me, they're all defensive liabilities except Tatum doesn't fit. Um, SGA is also a really good defender. Oh, is he okay? I think. I guess. He, being, oh, I don't want to say really good, but I think he is a pretty good defender because he's pretty long. Gotcha, gotcha. I think. Um, I think, but maybe I'm, I'm wrong. Just, like. Steph was a below average defender. Like, yeah. obviously, offensively, he's generational, and, and maybe that's kind of just what you have to be to offset it. Yeah. But I'll just be very curious in the next five years. Like, how does it work with a guy like Ja or Dame, just a small guard leading your team? Like, it, does it really become an issue in the playoffs? Or is well, it Chris something Ball? where. Yeah. Or can you get away with one of them? And that's really what it is. Yeah. Like, you can handle one on the court, you can't handle two. Yeah. Um, well, I think you can, but again, the team around it has to be right. Because, like, okay, two things with Steph. He's the best shooter we've ever seen. As awesome as Dame is, he can have spurts like it. He's not Steph. He just isn't yeah. Steph. That's yeah. fine. No one is Steph Curry. But he had Draymond Green, who's, like, one of the most unique, like, modern-day Dennis Rodman, most unique, like, players we've seen, like, amazing defensive player and, um, you know, ball mover, like, whatever, set screen, whatever. He did so much for that team, rebounding, passing, defense, Clay Thompson, like the second best shooter we've ever seen. So like <laughs> yeah. y- you had that team and then like really good role players and a good coach. Like it was not that Steph wasn't the best player because he was, but that team was set up around Steph very nicely. And Steph also mm-hmm. got better on defense to the point where he wasn't, he wasn't a to- like LeBron. They came back again, LeBron came back against them because they really did exploit Steph partially, but he got bigger. He got bulkier. He both, he figured out like a way to, and I'm not saying Damian hasn't done that or can't do it. But like Steph made a conscious effort because he was already in the limelight to win a championship, to lose a championship. He knows like what the difference is, um, and he did like a lot of things to bulk up and like find a ways to hide him a little bit better. So, like it was set up for that, and that's why I think like again you trade you go for you trade Dame to a team that gives up a bunch of assets, a, a bunch of players on the roster, and it's like well who's left to like compensate for this accordingly you know the Warriors had a championship roster top to bottom Iguodala Harrison Barnes even like Bogut and Zaza Pachulia in the middle like they had just like a really good team yeah um and Lillard has never had anything close to that so I'm not saying it's not pot like he can easily win a ring wherever he goes but it's got to be the right team while some other guys in the league it's like it doesn't matter you trade like Luka Doncic even though he's like a defensive liability right now like any team could trade for him and like they're immediately a contender, like with no matter what they have around him. I'm not like yeah. Dame is no one's saying Dame's as good as Luca or whatever, but I just like he gets kind of thrown in that regard sometimes of like that elite top tier because people love him so much. And I'm just like, well, hold on. To be in that tier, you have to be a championship contender no matter who's around you on your team. And I know Luca missed the playoffs this year, but that was a, a weird, funky season for the Mavs. I just think like there's certain guys in a tier that are like you go to any team as long as you're healthy, like you'll make the guys around you better, and you're probably like an honest chance for like conference finals, finals. And I like, Luca's had enough sample size where it's not really there. Yeah, I think actually Luca's a great example, despite what happened this year. Like yeah, when you said it, it was just like of course, yeah, like Luca will score through double teams and just has like a bit more of like a. He, he's he's more solid like you could put scrubs around him and he's going to do his thing yeah and then you got yeah the team obviously has to be good around him but yeah you could see dame winning 40 games a year with the team yeah. of bad of bad teammates and i'm not about to put like jamal murray above dame because i agree if they switch situations they're, they're still winning the championship with damian this year you know I, I still think they are so it's like is murray and dame's tier i don't know but i don't think dame's in that elite tier 
even yeah. if he is a scorer and he's you people want him to be badly there because I'm telling <laughs> you I think you're surprised like around the like not the casual fan but like the like the pretty solid NBA fans like they have a lot of people have him in like that elite tier. Maybe they're fanboying a little bit, but I was like, eh, I don't know. Well, this is more and more reason to uh, add a video element to this podcast. We can have our power rankings behind us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whether it's NBA, quarterbacks. Could be anything. Um, yeah. Like a, a slightly uh, more intense version of Woody Page's whiteboard. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I would love to just go through that list. I, I, not right now, but I. where the tier break is is really the question, right? That, that's what we're talking about. Like, who are those guys who, regardless of what's around them, just immediately give you a chance at a title? Um, yeah, an example. That, yeah, sorry, what did you say? Agreed. Just agree that Dame isn't one of those guys, and that's why I love for yeah. him to go to the Heat as much as it might hurt the Celtics' chances. Yeah. And this is more of an – I'm not saying – like, Dame is way better than, like, Kyle Lowry was, but, like, Lowry was never, like – could never be the guy to win it all. But then you got a guy like Kawhi Leonard, and you had Siakam, and you had Marc Gasol, and you had this whole thing, and then Lowry became, like, the number two on a team that won and really good. But that, that team became a lot better and had that superstar. Like, that's mm-hmm. sort like, Dame's a better version of that. So, like, Dame could easily win a ring, like Jamal Murray, like Kyle Lowry, like Drew Holiday – Again, he could be better than all those guys if you think, but he's not a guy that's making making it happen on its own. On his own. Right. And that's all I'm saying, and it just seems like the price points that I'm seeing thrown around is making it seem like he is that guy. But if you're the Heat yeah. and he's like your number two or your one B, and you think you know you can get over the hump with that, then sure, pay go all in. You know, so I get it. Uh, Kawhi was, the, like in my opinion, the best player in the world for for that summer there. Yeah. But if if you just imagine that team take out Kawhi, put in Dame. Like that's an eight seed, <laughs> yeah. which I think illustrates your point. It's like, yeah, you know, it, it, him being the number one guy is so so different than just finding the right team that that kind of needs him yeah. to, to be the final piece. And I just put in the context of Knicks fans because it's like Melo was our number one guy, and it's like, I mean, we have Brunson now, so it's a little different. But it's like if you had Dame as your number one guy, yeah, he's more likable conventionally than Melo. But it's like you're gonna have the same kind of like flame out, not flame outs, but like kind of shortcomings in the playoffs like different form of it but it's like he's more fun to watch but it's like ball heavy ball dominant iso volume shooter then like weak on defense kind of feels like he's going one on five because that's how the style of game is but like there's just fundamental flaws in the game that like holds the team back gets him to a certain point but then holds him back and it's like ugh, you know yeah and it doesn't feel like there's then just another guy you could add on top to go to another level. It's like, no, it's Dame's team. And that can at a certain level become the problem. Yeah. I do think uh, uh, we've been like Chris Paul got it with David West and Blake Griffin. And even like Clint Capella was fun. Like Dame not having like a true big man. I mean, he did have Aldridge though. Let's say he did have Aldridge early on, but that was an earlier version of Dame Mm -hmm. where he hadn't like really truly come into like this next level of score. Like in this second half of Dame's career, post Aldridge, to not have like a guy like Nurkic is just not that guy. To not have a guy to like offensively talented stretch big that also has like a great pick and roll game for Dame not to have that, for the Blazers not to find a way to get a guy like that for him is a travesty. I think because it yeah. it could have been whether they would have won it all or not. I'm not saying that, but it just would have been fun as hell to watch. The fact that they didn't send the scout to Serbia changed the NBA. During the Taco Bell commercial. <laughs> Shouts to Taco Bell. Cheesy gordita uh, crunch, baby. <laughs> you know, I'm a little hungry. I might uh might might make a little trip over there. There you go. Um, all right. Well, I think we, we did a good job kind of 
just throwing a bunch of immediate reactions at you. Um, going to be a hell of a weekend. Hopefully, you're, you're doing something exciting for the fourth, but uh, the NBA is going to just reel us back into the sports world probably five yeah. times. Does it is it officially open the second, is it? Or second is um, Sunday. Let me check. I actually don't know. I thought it was July 1st for some reason. First? It might be right. Knowing the NBA, there's going to be like a six-hour window where like restricted free agents can sign, but no one else. And then you have to carry the two, divide by four, and you know then you can get to the where Daryl Mar- Morey calls you with the analytics of who you can sign for this amount of money. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You, you, you then end up calling. You call a, a fake number, and Sam Hinkie answers, and you have to tell <laughs> yeah. him the, the password is processed. <laughs> uh, free agency starts at 6 p.m. Eastern tomorrow, Friday. Ooh, what a weekend, baby! Yeah. Might have some Friday night trades. It's an exciting. Oh, I'm hoping we might have to do an emergency pod this weekend. Seriously. Wow. Big news in the Knicks. Josh Hart's coming back. Let's I saw go. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good for Knicks faithful. He He's awesome for the team. And then I, I'd like to bring in Dante DiVincenzo, round out the Nova trio. If we could just get Mikel Bridges, who we passed on the draft, and I wanted, that'd be nice. Have all four. That feels right. He's yeah, the best I mean, of the – oh, no, Brunson's the best of the four, but Bridges is second best. I'd do that. That could be a fun little, uh, like, intertown rivalry. Yeah. Like, who's right. the best point guard in New York? I know Bridges is a point guard. Do you think he's not? I mean, he's really playing like a two. I want to say he like was listed as the one when he first got to Brooklyn. I could be wrong on that. It's possible. I mean, positionless basketball. Seriously, he. I also like. I just want to note on Mikael Bridges because I know like I listen. To, we both listen to Simmons and uh, Rosello a lot. I also I feel like sometimes there's a little bit of a a new car smell to some of these guys where it's like. Because they're so surprised that Bridges was given a chance to do it on his own, it's like, whoa, we didn't know he had this offensive game in him. He was awesome, and he was awesome. But then he, if he does that for like three years and the Nets don't go anywhere, it's like, oh, he can't be the number one on a team. Like, because mm-hmm. he's he's everyone's speaking about him so highly right now, as they should be, because it was surprising. But the Nets still stunk once, you know, post Durant <laughs> trade. Like they yeah. were like twelve and 18, 12 and twenty. They weren't a playoff team. With him being the guy, and I'm not saying Harris he Levert a little bit more. put up points at one point. Like. Yeah, and like Spencer Dinwiddie for a little while, like a <laughs> similar situation. So like again, Bridge is better than those guys, and he's an amazing defender and like does other things. But like he's obviously not a number one scoring up. Op- like he's already 26 or 27 because he's an older guy coming in the draft. Like I, I just wonder if there's like a little bit of that like recency bias or new car smell where it's like we didn't expect it. It's a pleasant surprise. So look how awesome he is. But I guarantee if he was like on the Wizards or something, it would be like. You know what? This guy is a volume score on a bad team. I'm not. It's a little harsh because Bridges is efficient. The metrics like him. He's a good shooter. But there is a little bit of like, if this happens for one more year and the Nets go nowhere, it's like this guy can't be your number one. Like, get him back yeah. into role player mode. And it's like I just feel like there's a little bit of that new car smell around him. I, I think part of what we just do with like all these guys is we like try to give you the respect that we're realizing you should have got a year yep. or two ago. Overcompensating. Exactly. Yeah. And then once we sucked his dick for a year and then he isn't like a great dude he's like hey maybe we were a little too positive yeah. so now we're gonna be negative again it's, it's yeah. the vicious media cycle we build you up just to tear you back down and then once it, you're it low really at your is. low again we're like oh you know what let's have a reclamation yeah, the guy was all here. right you yeah. know <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's it's also like that feeds a little bit into the uh i, I think Russell was actually bringing it up not to, to quote them again but like the kid like the younger generation discovering like steve francis and steph marbury online like this guy 
I think that what their award was like, this guy's a problem. And like, they showed like six highlights of him. Meanwhile, like back in the, and then like even guys like me were like, fuck, he was nasty. And I remember like 10 years, 15 years ago, Steph Marbury was being paid by the Knicks not to play because he was so toxic <laughs> and like a horrible defender and stuff like that. So it's like, you see a couple highlights and it's like, oh, we got to prop him back up because he didn't get his due or like we were overly harsh on him. It's like, but let's remember what happened back in the day. There was a reason he was hated on, you know, like, yeah. it's so funny how it comes in waves. Stephon Marbury would not have handled Brink's culture all that well. No. I don't. Well, I don't, got, that's not. Got him in China. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have a statue of him outside their arena. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not the only thing he got in China. I think he got yeah. a hundo in a game. Um, ignore what I said about Mikhail Bridges maybe being listed or playing as a point guard. I think I just saw the ball in his hands a lot. Yeah. He's, he's well, definitely, he definitely a, yeah. two or three. Yeah. More so. He's big. He's really big. Um, but yeah, I, I One wingspan, dude. Yeah. And Mikhail he, Bridges. And, he definitely has like way more offense because even with the Suns, he would like when the other guys were hurt, he would step up and be like, "Whoa, Bridges' thirty-five point game! Like, where's that come from?" And then he'd kind of be back to a three and D role, which still worked for him. Yeah, but it's and like it's clear he's a very good player, but like I think the the perceived value of him is like so inflated right now because like no one knew about this hidden offensive game he had. Yeah, ironically, he in a dream world, if you're the Sixers, like he's who you'd want for Harden. Dude, well, it's funny you say this because I've screamed this at like Sixers fans for a long time. One of the more underrated, dumber moves, like the Sixers, if you look at it, oh, with God. outside of Embiid, like we, the Fultz one's well documented with Jalen <laughs> or with Jason Tatum. They took Simmons, who was the obvious pick there, but like over Jalen Brown. It's like all these things they to, then letting Jimmy Butler walk so they could trade for Tobias Harris instead and have Tobias replace Jimmy as if it's like a one for one without t- thinking about their personal, like their, you know, mental makeup. But in that Tobias trade, they, dra- they actually drafted Mikel Bridges. His mom works for the team. His mom works for, for the Sixers. <laughs> he grew up in Philly, went to Villanova as a hometown kid. His mom literally is employed by them. They draft him. And everyone was saying at the time, this exactly what the Sixers need to surround Embiid and Simmons who was awesome still at the time, but Embiid was an interior guy and Simmons who couldn't shoot was like, you need a three and D guy who's polished and ready to go. And it was like, Whoa, that is literally Mikel Bridges. It was like, it was questionable about how high his ceiling could be, but his floor was really high and he could contribute immediately. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it, this, it was the perfect pick for them. It's like, Oh, Mikel fell to them. This is it. Perfect. And they go out and flip him in the Tobias deal to get, and they move back a spot to get Zaire Smith or whatever, who hasn't, we haven't heard from him since, who was like the most raw of raw prospects ever. It's like, that doesn't line up with the timeline. It's like, you had the perfect player. And now you still haven't filled that hole all these years later. So not only did you let Butler walk for Tobias, you also gave up Mikel Bridges to get Tobias. And then you gave Tobias a max. It's like that Tobias Harris, that Tobias Harris killed the process. He killed the process. <laughs> not him and his intentional doing, but all those moves around it killed the process. And it's like, man, I, I, it's so funny you say that because they could have had him. They have yeah, to. it's and unbelievable. It's like, I, I oh. wasn't trying to twist the knife, Sixers fans, I promise. No, it has to be because like that's <laughs> so bad. Yeah. And it was just all right there. Like when you hit the Embiid pick, you should only need like one or two other things to go right. right to have like a true window. And of course, yeah, maybe you technically have a window, but I know it doesn't feel like that if you're a Sixers fan. I mean, imagine oh. Simmons, Tatum, Embiid, Bridges. And you can even take Simmons out of there. 
Like, and, but I'm just saying, like, Simmons from three years ago. Yeah. Defensively, that team is like, you can't score against them. And then if, all right, even if you want to sub out um, Tatum, mm-hmm. Simmons, Butler, Bridges, Embiid. Yeah. With, with like a non ruined like, Markel Fultz coming off the bench. Right. Right. <laughs> it's. It's unbelievable. It's like a wealth of riches, and they somehow like spill. They're like Kevin with the chili in the office. <laughs> like we have all this potential, and it's yeah. It's and that's why I'm list. I'm a little bit sympathetic for Embiid because I know like he's he's had some duds in the playoffs. Like they can't get past the second round. But honestly, he's he's usually besides that Atlanta series. I think that one year, like he's usually dominant in the playoffs and he's like carrying a team. But the injuries have obviously been a thing. Can he hold up the whole year? Like, he's always, like, playing through something in the playoffs, and it's often used as an excuse, right or wrong, you know, Mm -hmm. for, like, performances. But, like, why I kind of go back to a soft spot for Embiid is because, A, I think he's, like, I think injuries aside, like, he works his ass off and plays really hard. Whether an interior old-school big guy can be the guy you build around in this modern-day era – I don't know, but what I do know is they made so many mistakes in building around him and have had no depth for so long and have had Doc Rivers fucking things up that it's like, Embiid is just, like, for all the things we want to say about the the assets the Sixers had over the years, the Embiid has not been given a lot to succeed with around him. I don't know. No, no. I, and then the Simmons oh, collapse was like, holy smokes. Yeah, I mean, that honestly, like, it, it's understandable that if you have a number one overall pick who's like a top 20 trade value guy and he turns into an absolute pile of dust like yeah that's gonna fuck up your your franchise yeah. development uh the one thing i well not the one thing but uh Embiid, i do think like this is a very casual fan take he just needs to get way better at pacing himself in playoff games yeah like it, he needs to be able to go get the buckets in the fourth quarter when his team needs him and that is always when he looks like he's at his worst yeah he's ex- he looks exhausted but it may and maybe that's coaching. Maybe that's on him, his internal makeup. Maybe it's on like having another guy that he can s- consistently rely on. Like y- yeah. their closest chance to the conference finals is that heartbreaker in Game Seven, the Kawhi Leonard shot, and that's when they had Butler. Like mm-hmm. Butler took a huge load off Embiid. Yeah, and like that shot goes in. Like that shot doesn't go in, and say the Sixers win in overtime. Like they could be in the finals, and this is all looking different. You know, like that Butler Embiid team was a finals. Butler and Bede Simmons, like, say what you want about Simmons. At the time, he was filthy. Second team All-NBA or whatever he was, all-team yeah. defense, could cover anyone on the court. His shooting wasn't as exposed at the time. He still would take it to the rack. Like, and then Butler is Butler, and then Bede is was healthier. Like, that team was a finals-level team, you know? And it's like... They were favored in that series, I'm pretty sure. It's like close to were. a toss-up, but I... I at least how I remember it, yeah. I mean, it was, ba- it was down to the final possession, and it was yeah. an amazing shot by Leonard. And it's just like, you know, it, I just think they never gave him that second guy. Like, Tobias Harris is a ghost oftentimes in the playoffs. <laughs> Simmons literally fell off the map and had like couldn't shoot. So you have like Embiid and and Simmons, and you don't find shooters for them. Like, they could never do it. And then they pitch is like, I'm telling you, man, like – they fucked up so many times when it was like easily in their grasp. As again, you hit a lot or you hit gold on Embiid. And then it's like you can't build around him. And it's like that's all out of his control. And like if it wasn't for Embiid, you just look at all those other moves, they'd be like it would be Knicks level incompetence. Like (laughs) Knicks, like Isaiah Thomas level incompetence. Yeah. It's bad. Back at the bottom of the barrel. I mean, they have their their white whale. Like, congratulations. You should have seven or eight more years of of being able to to build a roster with one thing in mind. 
Uh, but the clock's ticking, and yeah. today today things got a little weird for him, and, and kind of out of nowhere. So, well, I think the nurse hire is good for them. I do Agreed. think Maury yeah. is a good GM. So, like on paper, they've got they've got the people to handle a situation like this. Like, mm-hmm. I just this these next few days or weeks for Sixers fans like can really determine the last of the Embiid era. Like, it could be if they if they mishandle this or this backfires, then Embiid's gone in less than two years. And, and they're empty-handed. It's the biggest oh. what-if situation, and they're empty-handed. Yeah. Or they figure it out, and Bede gets the final, stays for a whole other career, and has a chance to win a ring. Like his whole like second half of his career in the 30s. No pressure, Daryl. No pressure. Yeah, and I'm like, as a Knicks fan, I don't want to root for the Sixers. I'm almost feeling bad for them, and I like Embiid enough where like, I kind of want them to do well, even though I hate like Philly sports in general. It's just like I don't have the hate for them like I do Celtics or Nets or something like that. I should, yeah, it's, what a, it's what ineptitude buys you, some some pity. That's true. That's true. So I guess no one can hate the Knicks, right? <laughs> Far from it. Oh, B- beloved losers. Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully in a few years, though, that'll that'll flip on its head for you. Yeah, like a rivalry. Dude, if, if these three teams can be awesome Celtics, Knicks, Sixers, sign me up. It's the best. Yeah, we could use a Raptors rebuild give it, and a Nets rebuild. Give us some breathing room, you know? <laughs> Seriously. All right. Well, enjoy the weekend, Chuck. Great to talk, as always. Yep. And uh, I think we're going to have uh, a couple trades to discuss ne- next time Excited. we have on here. So look forward to it. Could be like a 4th of July special coming up, right? Yeah, stay tuned. Fireworks again. early. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See you. <laughs>